You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. Joy. What gives you joy in life? Have you ever thought about that? Sometimes there are things that are very simple that give us joy, and sometimes there are things that are very complex that give us joy. We're in the middle of Advent season, and Advent is an opportunity for us to acknowledge and remember what uh, the coming and the birth of Jesus was all about. It's threefold. Its purpose is first, to commemorate the birth of Jesus, first and foremost. Secondly, to welcome God into our lives every day, not just on the Christmas season, but all throughout the year. And thirdly, to prepare us, to have us look forward to the coming of Jesus. We have uh, symbolized this with our Advent wreath, and each week we've lit a different candle, and each candle represents something different. Hope, love, joy, and peace. Each one represents something that Jesus brought when he was born on this earth. In the first week, I talked about hope and how hope is not something that we can work up within us, especially if you're feeling hopeless, but rather it's something you look forward to. Jesus is the one that gives hope to the hopeless. Last week, I talked about love and all the way that God's love is for us. We know that God loves us, but the ways in which he loves us and the depth of his love and the fact that his love is enduring and everlasting and unchanging and unconditional should give us a sense of love in our hearts, knowing that we are loved in a way that is so different from the rest of the world. Today we light the third candle. It's a pink candle, often called the Godette candle or shepherd's candle. And it recounts the story of the shepherds and the angels. So what is it that gives you joy? Perhaps it's the smiling faces of your grandchildren when they come to visit. As our deacon Gary Redekis likes to say, there's nothing like being a grandparent and seeing those grandbabies walk in through the door. If you talk to him for any period of time, you'll recognize he's excited about his grandkids. Joy is the expression on the face of a bride as she walks down the aisle to see her husband at the altar. Joy is found in the eyes of parents as their son or daughter crosses the platform to receive their high school or college diploma. Joy is found in the people who bring light and life and happiness into our lives. But sometimes joy is found in an activity, in a thing. Some find in the simple pleasures of life. If you talk to uh, one of our members, Dick Benoit, he would tell you that he loves to kayak down the Westfield River and finds a great deal of joy in doing that. Or maybe it's found, joy is found, happiness, these glimpses and moments of happiness are found in just an escape from life as you know it. Maybe it's just going golfing with a friend before the snow finally hits the ground. Or perhaps it's uh, just sitting in a boat fishing on the lake when you just so happen to have some free time on your hands and you're just sitting there waiting for that fish to bite. Sometimes the simple things that give us joy. This season of joy, Advent is a season of joy. 
The Gospel of Luke tells the story of the great joy that was experienced by the shepherds on that Christmas night. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Let's take a look at it together as we get into the Word today. And it's a familiar passage because we know the Christmas story very well. It says in verse 8, it's probably the, the sentence that appears in most children's plays or nativity plays. This phrase is familiar. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. I'm sure you recognize this familiar part of the Christmas story. Shepherds doing what they always did, watching and taking care of the sheep. But then in the middle of what they're normally doing, an angel appears to them. First one stands before them, and then a whole sky of angels appears, proclaiming the glories of God. So all of a sudden, this everyday group of ordinary blue-collar shepherds finding their uh, life interrupted by this heavenly choir of angels proclaiming the glories of God and telling them the story of good news. The thing about joy is that joy interrupts the boring. Joy interrupts the mundane. It's like being at this time of the year when you're at home and people come to visit you unexpectedly. Good people. I'm not talking about people that are trying to sell you something or knocking on your door for a census. I'm talking about people that you are friends with, people that you love and care about, and you weren't expecting them, but they came and they showed up. And the joy that fills your heart when you uh, experience a visit, when you least expect it. Joy interrupts the boring. It interrupts the mundane. It interrupts the stale activities of life. That's when God steps in and shows you his goodness and shows you his grace. When he does, it catches us off guard because one, we're not expecting it. And two, there are times we just feel like we don't deserve it. But God steps in and when he does it, it fills us with awe. I can't imagine the reaction of these regular working class shepherds being one of the first recipients of the good news that was outside of Jesus' own family. 
Think about that for a minute. One of the first people that heard it, of course, you, hear, you know, it's Mary, it's Joseph, it's Elizabeth, it's Zachariah. But like these are the first people outside of Jesus' immediate family to hear the good news that like of all the people that God could have taken aside and said, you know, I want to tell them something amazing. Let me tell it to the shepherds who are working the field while everyone else is asleep, who are doing a job that not many people really enjoy doing. And God interrupts their mundane, boring life with good news. And this news is not falling on deaf ears. This news is not lost on them. When they hear the news, it changed them forever. When they experienced what they experienced, it amazed them and changed their life forever. And that's what it's like when you encounter Jesus, when you experience the love of God in him. Like you truly experience the love of God. It is a life-changing experience. But it usually comes when you weren't expecting it. Think of the times where God came into your life. When you became a Christian, you probably weren't looking for him at the time. And he kind of interrupted your life and said, you know, I'm going to call you by name. And I have a plan and a purpose for you. I love you, and I want to forgive you and cleanse you and give you a fresh start. And out of nowhere, God stepped into your life and changed everything forever. Joy interrupts the mundane. Joy breaks in in the course of our everyday life and interrupts it with God's goodness and his grace. Joy was communicated The angel said, I bring you news, tidings of great joy that will be for all people. The Greek word for joy here is karan. The Greek word karan, which means exuberant joy, mirth, and happiness. It's the kind of joy that swells in the heart because hope springs up where there was none before. What kind of joy would this joy be, this Karan joy that is being spoken to the shepherds. This joy, he says, will be for all people. Now, I want you to understand something, what this means. Remember that the prophecies of the Old Testament that we see in Zechariah and that we see in Isaiah was a distinctly Jewish prophecy talking about that the son of David would come and that he would be a king for the people of Israel. But the angels are revealing something here that is greater than just the nation of Israel. They're saying that this one who will come will bring joy to all people. Not just one group of people, not just the Jews, but to Gentiles. Not just to to slave or free, but to rich and poor alike. This message would be not just for the nation of Israel, but for all people. The baby in the manger, Jesus, came as the greatest expression of God's love to the world. That it wouldn't be just for one group of people. God wasn't trying to just establish one religion for one race. But that Jesus, the Son of God, was sent into the world because the world was full of sin and spiritually dead. And God wanted his people, all of them, to know who he was. And so when Jesus came, when he lived this life on this earth, when he died on the cross for our sins, when he rose again, it was not just 
for a small group of people, but it was for everyone. Joy was communicated. The shepherds were the recipients of good news. They heard it and were glad to be ones that heard the news. Joy was communicated and Another thing about joy, joy is contagious. Now, that word has a lot of negativity lately. Am I right? You don't want to be contagious at this time in life, right? In fact, we're very careful about being close to people, talking with people, interacting, because we don't want to be around someone who might be contagious. But good news is contagious. Joy is contagious. If you're around someone who is joyful, you find yourself being joyful. If you doubt me for a minute, ever been around someone who's laughing? And then you laugh because either you find their laugh funny, or you don't want to be left out in it, or in those moments that you kind of are nervous, you kind of laugh along with them. Joy just kind of has a way of breaking out and spreading through a group of people. Joy is contagious because if you have someone that's joyful, they bring joy wherever they are. They light up a room. They encourage people. They bless people. Joyful people have a way of doing that. Not surprisingly, negative people have a way of doing that too. But be the kind that brings joy. The shepherds heard this news, and this news moved them and motivated them. When the shepherds heard and saw the things that they saw, they wanted to seek out what they had heard. You know, hearing something communicated is one thing, but doing something about what you've heard is entirely something different. You know, the, the uh, shepherds are sitting there and they get this message from, from heavenly messengers from an entire host of angels, and they could have gone, huh, that was weird, and gone back to shepherding. But there's something about when you hear good news, it motivates you to go check things out. When they heard that there's this baby that will be a sign to the people and he will bring joy to all people. And they told them where they would find him. They said, let's go and find this out. You know, joy is contagious because it moved them and motivated them. They got up from where they were. They left what they were doing and they sought out to find this baby in a manger in a nearby town of Bethlehem. And once they discovered that it was true, they gave glory to God and left that place rejoicing, grateful that they were included in the greatest story ever told. Think about it this way. Think about like if you worked at Amazon. Think about if you worked at like Walmart, right? And then God does something extraordinarily amazing in your everyday mundane job. That becomes, amen, that becomes part of like a story that will be written and read 2,000 years from now. That's amazing to think about, that these guys are just like, I'm just doing my job, man. I'm just watching sheep. I'm just making sure the, the wolves don't get them. And they're part of the story. Can I tell you today that you should be excited about Christmas because Christmas is the good news that includes us as part of the story. Whether you're rich or poor, whether you have fame or whether you're unknown, God decided to include you in the story. And that should be something that gives you great joy in your heart, no matter how tough life is, and sometimes life is terrible. Sometimes life is just the worst. Like literally, like you go out and there's daily reminders of how bad life is. 
The joy that we have as Christians comes from a wellspring within that was imparted to us by God's Spirit through the good news that was given to us by the Word of God. And because of that, we have something that can bring joy. Instead of letting everything else around you affect you in a negative and adverse way, remember what you have within you that is so much greater than everything else in this world. That is as discouraged as you are, as annoyed as you are with the person in front of you at the drive-thru or the person that's at Dunkin' Donuts that can't seem to get your order right no matter how hard you try. Or you get a donut that looks like someone took a bite out and you're like, I don't think I trust this. Whatever it might be, you can either let that affect you or you can say, you know what, God bless them. You know what, Lord... I don't care what's happening today. This is the day that you have made. I'm on assignment. When I leave the house in the morning, I'm on assignment for you, so I'm going to be a blessing. Because you realize that your joy is not from the other things. The joy that you have within you is given to you by God. When the shepherds heard the story, when they went to check it out, when they sought truth and sought to see whether what the Lord was saying was true or not, when they found out that it actually was, they rejoiced. And it says that they told other people about them. It said that it became widely known, this story about the baby in a manger. The first evangelists in the gospel now are the shepherds, working class people who God showed himself to. And that when they found out what was true, they said, you need to hear about this experience. And then when they saw it, you know, face to face, when they came face to face with the baby in the manger and Mary and Joseph and all the things that God had said had taken place, said they left rejoicing, glad that they were included in the story. Joy interrupts the mundane. Joy was communicated. Joy became contagious. It's that charan joy that's used there in the Greek. This joy is not just purely an emotion but it's rather the feelings that accompany the arrival of something great. It is happiness and joy. This same word for joy is used throughout the New Testament and other places. It's the same words that Jesus uses in Matthew 25, 21, where he gives the parable of the talents. And when those who are faithful with what the master had given them, when they had given a report of what they'd done, it says that Jesus said that the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your, enter into your master's karan, joy. Enter into his happiness. So we have a picture there of the joy of following the Lord. It's a word that accompanies a job well done, a task completed, a joy revealed. It's a parable and picture of heaven Entering the joy of the Lord is a place of reward and rest for faithfully serving the Lord. Jesus uses it again in John 16. If we look at John 16, 16 through 24, we see this word of karan joy appearing again. And Jesus says in verse 16, A little while you will not see me, and again in a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among them, what is this that he says to us, a little while and you'll not see me, and again a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. I, obviously, as you can see, visibly confused. It's like you're leaving, 
and we're not going to see you, and then we are going to see you, confused as they often were with Jesus' words. Verse 18, they said, therefore, what is this that he says? A little while, we do not know what he is saying. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and so he said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while, and you will not see me, and again, a little while, and you will see me? Most assuredly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you'll be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to a child, she remember, no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. Underline that little spot right there. And your joy no one will take from you. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask uh, in my Father's name, he will give to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. Jesus says, in a little while you won't see me. And then a little while, you will see me. And the disciples think, is he going on a trip? Like, where is he going? Like, but Jesus is actually speaking about his death and his resurrection. And so, sometimes joy follows sorrow. Joy is lost when something is taken away. And sorrow fills that space where joy once did. It can be any number of things that happen that kind of make us sad or take our joy away, whether the grandkids or the children grow up, when you lose a friend, they either move away or pass on, or when the seasons change and you can't do the things that you used to do, or because of old age and health, the things that you used to be able to do, like getting that thing off the shelf without having to ask someone for help, or to get on a ladder without someone freaking out on you. You know, those things that you used to be able to do that you can't do anymore, you can't do those things. And so as a result, the joy that you had is lost and our sense of joy disappears. But what if you had something that joy that gave you joy that could never be taken away? What if those things would never disappear? What if you had a guarantee that those things would never depart from your life? Wouldn't that just fill you with joy? And the gospel isn't about the temporary joys of life. Instead, it's about our joy being in Jesus, the one who gives us life and the one who gives us eternal life. When Jesus told them that a little while they would not see him, then they would see him again, he spoke about his death and resurrection. He spoke that some would rejoice of the fact that he's gone and that they would be sad, but when he returned, their joy would be restored to them and that joy would not be taken away. Listen, there's some, sometimes where you're like really happy and then it immediately goes away. Like if you're sitting down with a, a tub of Ben and Jerry's ice cream or a Haagen-Dazs or whatever it is that you enjoy and then you get to the bottom of it and the joy is gone. Why? Because it is gone and there's nothing left for you there because our joy is so fickle like that. It's here and then when it's run out of the things that give us joy, it's gone. But what if you had something that never ran out? What if you had something that would never pass away? Remember, he said to his disciples, he's like, and no one will take your joy away from you. In other words, what you've seen of me, when you see me resurrected from the dead, 
what you have now in Christ can never be taken away from you and only if you allow it to. Only when you go through things and you're like, well, my joy is gone. Well, my happiness is gone. And so because of that, I've lost my sense of joy. When Jesus died, indeed, the disciples were sorrowful. But when he rose again, they were filled with joy once more. Jesus even uses the analogy of childbirth. He's saying when a woman is in labor, she is sorrowful to be polite. To be, she's sorrowful for going through labor. But she says when that child is born, when that child comes into the world, she's not thinking about all the things that she's gone through. She's not thinking about all the pain that she's endured. She might feel it later, of course. By the way, husbands, be gracious to your wives after they've given birth. Be there for them. You know, make dinner for them. Get them their tea. Make sure they're comfortable because it is a bit of a a journey that they go through after they give birth. But she's not focused on, man, that was tough. Oh, man, I need a break. All she is wrapped up in is the joy and elation of having that child in her arms. And Jesus is saying it's the same way that you will go through moments of trial and sorrow and difficulty, but when that joy is seen, when that joy is revealed, then all of a sudden all the things that you have gone through previously won't matter because you'll be caught up in the happiness and joy of that moment. When the delight of your heart is finally seen, all the pain of the past is forgotten. Jesus' words are a reminder to us today that when we go through difficulties and toils and trials, that the joy of our salvation awaits us on the other side. Salvation is a personal guarantee that Jesus gave us with the resurrection. When he said that, you know, when anyone who believes in me will live and never die, he wasn't speaking metaphorically. He wasn't speaking figuratively. But, and he proved it through his resurrection from the dead. He said, listen, this thing that I'm promising you, I will be the first one to do it. So you know you can put your faith and your trust in me. And seeing Jesus risen from the dead was a joy that the disciples needed. And it was a guiding thing that kept them going in the midst of it. It's the joy of our salvation, the hope of the future. Our hope is assured in him. It was the joy of his salvation that the psalmist David wrote about in Psalm 51, asking God to forgive him and restore the joy of his salvation. He wasn't talking about an emotional joy. He was talking about restoring to me the assurance, the knowledge that I will indeed be saved. Restore to me the knowledge and the assurance that like when I die, that I'll be in heaven. I'll be with you forever because David messed up and he messed up bad. And so this joy is not like I'm, I'm happy for a moment and I'm gone. If you're living your Christian life that way, you'll be up and down a lot. But if you live your life with the understanding that the joy of your salvation is in the hope you have in Jesus, no matter how bad things get, you can still look to that for your hope. So what is it usually steals our joy? What takes away your joy? Maybe it's someone you drove in with today that took away your joy. Maybe it's a job that you go to, and on Monday morning you just realize you just don't want to be there anymore. 
What's taking away your joy? What causes you to lose your happiness? Or more, even more seriously, what causes you to lose the joy of your salvation? Any number of reasons can do that. Discouragement. Things didn't turn out the way you hoped for. Maybe you started a business and it flopped. Maybe you went for a particular promotion and you didn't get it. Maybe you applied for a new job and you, know, that you got denied. Or you went to go buy a house and you, someone else bought the house that you wanted. Discouragement has a way of stealing your joy. Sometimes disappointment. When we are disappointed with our life, when we thought that our life was going to be different than it is now, disappointment can take away our joy. Sometimes it's loss. If you've lost a loved one, a family member, if they've died in the last year, that can seriously uh, take away and subtract the joy that you once had, the joy that they once brought to your life, and now you're struggling to find a way to be able to keep going in the middle of it. These are real feelings that need to be acknowledged, and they need to be healed in order to find comfort. There are times where the discouragement of those experience can be so great that it causes us to take our eyes of what we, off of what we have in Jesus. Something that we have that will never perish, spoil, or fade. This word, Quran joy, is the same joy that James spoke of when he talked about going through trials and temptations. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, My brethren, count it all joy, Quran, when you fall into various trials, Knowing the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It says, be joyful. Not being happy because you're going through it, but because of what it can produce in you. The book of James was written to persecuted Christians who are struggling to hold on to their faith. And so James reminds them, that when you go through difficulty and, difficulty and suffering, these things have one of two effects on you. I'm going to say it right now. When you go through tough stuff, it can either have one of two effects on you, and you choose which way you want to go. It can either draw you closer to God, or it can push you further away. It's truly heartbreaking when I see friends of mine who have gone through tremendous suffering having a crisis of faith and drifting from the Lord because things went horribly wrong. And we choose which way we want to go. We can either choose to let it push us further away from God or we can lean into the Savior. We can lean close to Him. Think of the Last Supper, that picture, that famous picture of the Last Supper where you have John the Beloved, the Apostle John, and where's he? He's laying his head on Jesus' chest. He's close to Jesus. We have the choice of either allowing these things that we've gone through to drive us further away from the Lord or draw us closer to him. That's why it's important that when we go through difficult things that we lean into the Savior and that we don't run, that we press in and find comfort. Did you know this Quran joy is also a fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5, and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There, against such there is no law. It is a fruit 
of the Spirit. As one author wrote, quote, Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It is expected of Christians because it is the natural result of having received salvation. Joy comes on the count of what Christ has done, irrelevant of whatever other circumstances are happening in one's life, end quote. The joy that comes from God, the joy that's the fruit of the Spirit, comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that's at work within us. We know it's not just simply a feeling. Even though you can feel greatly loved, if you've ever experienced the joy of the Lord, where the Spirit of God touches you and you're just full of joy and laughter or happiness, you know what it is to experience Holy Spirit-induced joy. But it's more than just a feeling. Joy is a fruit that's produced as the Spirit of God works in your life, as He creates things in your life. The fruit of the Spirit are the fruits of godly character. The Holy Spirit takes out of us what is not Christ-like and puts things in us that makes us more like Jesus. It's the convicting work of the Holy Spirit that helps us to become more loving, more patient, amen? More kind, yes, even more joyful. But how can the fruit of joy be produced in us? How can we have it even when we're discouraged? How? Well, I recall the words of Jesus in John chapter 15. He tells his followers that he is the vine and we are the branches and apart from him they can't do anything. It's kind of like if you took a branch off the tree and you cut it off, immediately the life begins to drain out of it and it dies. No longer will it produce fruit. It's like when your son or daughter, when they were little, and they'd go out in, in the, uh, the yard and they would pick flowers out of the flower bed or they'd pick a little dandelion out and they'd give it to you and you'd go and put it in a water vase. But like in a couple of days, it would wilt and die, right? Because it has nothing to give it life. Jesus is saying, without me, you can't produce fruit. You can't grow in him. So we need to stay connected to the Savior. We need to stay connected to him. And he says, I, I have come that you might produce fruit, fruit that will last. He is the source of our fruit. Fruit comes from the root. Fruit comes from the source, from the tree. If they have any hope of producing fruit whatsoever, they needed to stay connected to Jesus, to stay connected with him. Even in the hard times, yes. Even in trials, yes. Even in temptations, yes. That's the only way that you're ever going to produce something good out of what you've gone through. Listen, if you're going to like, okay, so if you've ever gardened, you know that there are some things that are necessary for gardening. Obviously, sunlight, soil, and water. But there's something that we also add to a garden or add to a tree to make it grow even more. Compost, manure. We add it onto that. And if you want to see something grow quick, you add that onto it. And you pile it on. And it's unpleasant. It doesn't smell great. But like you see the growth that takes place because of it. Why? It's a fertilizer. It helps things grow. And you think to yourself, well, if that's kind of what my life is supposed to be like, then 2021 means I'm going to grow a lot. Because you've had it just piled on. We're to grow in the middle of that. We're to grow in the midst of that. That no matter what kind of year you've been through is that God still wants to produce lasting fruit. But the only way that's going to happen is if you stay close to Jesus. You don't drift away. You don't, uh, you know, kind of get away from church or get away from prayer or get away from worship 
when you don't feel like it. Listen, there's many days even I don't feel like it. But it's not about what you feel. It's about what you know. And when you operate in what you know, the feelings will come after. I promise you by the Spirit of God today that if you spend time in the presence of God, like we did in worship today, there's times where I just feel dead inside because life has been hard. But when I'm in the presence of God, when I'm worshiping God, when I enter in to that moment, something comes alive within me. The Spirit of God bears witness with my spirit, and I feel alive. I feel at peace. I feel like I can breathe again. But you're not going to experience that if you're like, just like, eh, it doesn't matter. Eh, I don't need to go to church today. I don't feel like it anyway. Things are tough. Listen, this is the only oasis and in the, the middle of all the turbulent storm that you're going through, this is a place to be renewed and let your batteries be recharged and you'd experience the love and goodness of God in this place. That's what will keep you going. And if the devil tells you you don't need that, that's just exactly what he wants you to do. Because the further away you'll drift and you'll start to die on the vine, you'll start to just fall off and they won't produce any fruit in your life. Fruit can be produced in the difficulty. Don't get discouraged. We love the mountaintop experiences, don't we? You know about mountains and valleys. Oftentimes this, our spiritual life is referred to as mountaintop experiences and valleys. And we love the mountaintops because we love those uh, Elijah on Mount Carmel moments. We love those moments of transfiguration like in, in Matthew 17 where, where Jesus appears in all of his glory and we get to see him and behold him. And we love those moments where we just feel close to God and we experience God. But if you've noticed, people don't live on the mountain. Okay? In fact, people don't farm on the mountain either. Why? Because the atmosphere and, and the circumstances are too harsh for things to grow there. So it's good to visit. It's good to see. You can see for miles. Things you can see with clarity. But you're not supposed to stay there. Fruit is grown in the valley. Fruit is grown in the low places. That's where the growth takes place. And so as you're going through the valleys of life, if you're going through the low points in your experience with God, remember that God is trying to bring about growth in you as you stay connected to him. I'm going to ask Josh to join us up here on the keyboards as we close this service. There's a word in the scriptures where it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. You know what the word rejoice means? It means to find joy again. Find joy again. Does it mean, what does it mean? It means that sometimes we can lose our joy, right? Yeah, there's times where we go through things and we've lost touch with our joy. There's times where we've lost our sense of happiness. And sometimes it's something we've done, but other times it's other people in our life that have taken our joy away experiences we've been through and the things that we once enjoyed no longer enjoy it. What has used to give you joy that you don't have anymore? Have you lost your joy? Maybe you were someone that was very active and now you can't be as active as you used to be and now you're depressed about it. Now you're discouraged because like I, I can't do anything. I can't, I can't see, you know. I can't get up. When it gets up, it's like a, an experience to try and get up. I need like two or three people to help me get up. Or you get up and everything hurts. Or you hate asking for help. Or you hate remembering things. And you just feel like you're less than. 
because things aren't the way they used to be. Maybe you played sports and you loved playing sports and now you can't do that anymore and because of it you're just discouraged because you remember the glory days. You remember the things that you used to do. You remember the things you used to enjoy. Now you can't do that anymore. Maybe you're having a tough time because you had a friend and they were part of your life and either they moved away or they, you lost them. You know, they passed away this past year and you're just feeling that empty void in your life. You're feeling that just that, that deep hole where that irreplaceable friendship once was. Maybe you lost a family member, mom or dad or a spouse or, or a brother or sister and like you're just trying to get through life every day trying to not think of them and break down crying, trying to think of them and still be able to get through it. You know, we know what it's like to lose something. But I remember, I remind you today that the words of Scripture say to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it rejoice because they needed to be reminded that to rejoice is a choice. That to rejoice is to choose to find joy again. And maybe the things that you, you had before are not there anymore. But maybe God's repositioning you and saying, I want you to find joy in something else. I want you to find joy in the companionship of someone else. I want you to be a friend to somebody that maybe needed a friend. I want you to be there for your family. I know you're hurting because they're gone, but can you be there for them and have you find a new purpose in that? Maybe there's things that you don't know how to do anymore or can't do anymore because of your physical limitations, but could you teach that skill to somebody else? Maybe you can't swing a bat anymore. Maybe you can't throw a football. But maybe you could teach someone or show them how, and maybe you get a little joy out of doing that for somebody else. Do you see what I'm saying? Sometimes joy is just a matter of repositioning yourself and recognizing what God's given you. And stop looking at the things that were part of this world that gave you joy. And look ahead to the joy of your salvation only present in Christ and that joy no one can take from you. Not with old age, not with death. In fact, even in your death, you will find it, more, it'll be more present to you than it's ever been in your life. So we choose to do what to do with these moments. We choose to rejoice. We choose to find close our eyes in this moment. Maybe in this moment you are discouraged. You're downcast. You're troubled. You're going through trials of various kinds. That Quran joy, that elation, that sense of happiness, something that the Lord can give even where you are right now. It's a fruit that he can produce in your life. Even though you're broken on the inside and you're discouraged you can still produce something good even broken trees produce fruit even trees that have been bent by the storm that are still growing produce fruit God still want to make fruit in your life this morning maybe you just need someone to pray for you someone to lift you up I want you to know that we'll be doing that in just a moment in a moment I'm going to close in prayer we're going to sing, but during that song, if you're just in need of prayer, and you say, well, I just need joy once more in my life.
be here to pray with you, stand with you, and believe God for what you're going through. Let's pray. Gracious God, I just thank you today. Lord, would you just restore joy to those that are Lord, there's many times in our lives where we've been downcast and discouraged. But today, you are the one who gives us a joy that's everlasting and doesn't change. I pray, Lord, that you would heal hearts, that you would bandage wounds, Lord God, that you would bring restoration where it's needed. And I pray, God, that you would help us to find the cause for rejoicing in this season. Let joy fill hearts and give us hope. Lord, bless Lord, each person as we enter this time of worship and prayer. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.